to this week's podcast. This is How to Be a Boss at Aging and I'm Anarchy Somerville and today we're going to be talking about booze and specifically booze in lockdown and booze post-lockdown and I'm interviewing Mandy Manners who is a well-being coach and she also specialises in um, helping women and men who are interested in being sober or are sober curious and she knows an awful lot about kind of our relationships with alcohol and how sometimes they can be quite problematic. So we're just going to be having a chat about what's happened in lockdown and in particular how we've perhaps been drinking more than we usually would and maybe also talking about some alternatives instead. So if you're interested in kind of being a bit more mindful in the way that you drink, cutting back or just stopping completely then uh, have a listen. And I'm certainly really interested because I feel like my booze intake has kind of upped a little bit recently. And before that, I hadn't drunk for ages and it felt really good. So we'll be chatting a bit about that. So I hope you enjoy the chat and I'll be back again at the end. Ta-da! Well, I'm excited because I've got Mandy Manners um, here today. And Mandy and I have spoken before, actually, on the podcast. And I guess I sort of see you as my go-to person now whenever I have a question about kind of sobriety or being sober curious or people's relationships with alcohol. And I guess the reason I wanted to talk to you is because the UK is, I mean, we've, we've in a situation where we've just come out of kind of, we're not coming out of lockdown, but things are easing. And I was aware of the fact that during lockdown, I was hearing a lot about people drinking more than normal in order to almost just get through it. And so I suppose I wanted to talk about some of that because I think some people listening, they may be thinking, oh, do you know what? Maybe I've been drinking too much anyway while I've been in lockdown. Now I feel like we're coming out and I'm feeling like I really want to drink more, you know, because there's a lot of socialising and stuff going on. And I just want to sort of get a little bit of your steer on, on maybe some alternatives or ways that people can be a bit more mindful about their relationship with, with booze right now. I mean, to start off, what what happened? I mean, with with um with lockdown, why do you think people were turning to alcohol? Because certainly in here, the sales of booze have just gone through the roof. Yeah, I mean, I think stress essentially is kind of the reason why there's such a sort of strong relationship, especially in the UK. Well, I'd say in Anglo-Saxon countries with alcohol, because it's seen as kind of an acceptable way to to manage stress so you know it's, it's kind of it's marketed in that way and in, in certain sense it's always kind of been used I mean what's interesting at the moment is that you're seeing it on both sides so you know coming out of lockdown because we see our relationship with alcohol is very celebratory in the UK it's like no we're festive it's pubs you know it's outside it's part of our kind of fun time but actually the reality is is that we use it to you know, uh, relieve stress and to manage sort of mental health at the same time. So it's like, it's not actually, you know, people say I can't possibly kind of go sober or cut down because I've got this wedding. But it's like, but actually, how much are you drinking watching TV at the end of the day as well, you know, and, and, and using it? So I think in lockdown, it was, you know, there's so, so much pressure on families to kind of homeschool, And, you know, I live in France and looking inwards, the pressure on parents was incredible. You know, it was very much like it's your responsibility to educate your kids, you know, and then managing kind of your own space and trying to 
just cope and being isolated you know that's one of the the big reasons why people's drinking tends to escalate is kind of feeling isolated and not having connection so yeah there's a lot of reasons I think um, and I think also you know if perhaps you were managing to drink less because you had you know certain strategies to manage your stress levels like you know you went to yoga or you went swimming or you went out for a run and then when all of those things are taken away from you it's hard to manage you know that stress in the same way and there's no support right so like no one's actually sort of saying hey alcohol is a drug and you know it can be addictive and it's really bad for your mental health maybe don't do that you know it's super celebrated in the UK so yeah I mean it's it's definitely a um it's 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 worrying right um on a lot of levels someone that works within sort of um, supporting people that want to stop drinking you know we've definitely had a lot of people that either uh, were doing okay and then their sort of drinking has kind of started up again in quite a problematic way or you know they've had they've been furloughed or they lost their job or you know there's been domestic violence and you know things like that which are on a more serious level which has has created real kind of issues and I think people play with it a lot um, you know, a lot of people in the UK, we talk about this grey area where it's like people, you know, don't associate themselves as, as the label of alcoholic or they would never say, you know, they're dependent or they don't have, you know, problems to detox or anything like that. But they play in an area of quite sort of hazardous drinking, you know, binge drinking or blackouts and things like that. And that's really kind of t on the edge of, of developing sort of more serious issues. And so quite often we pull ourselves back and then we get a bit close to that line of addiction and then we bring ourselves back. And I think because a lot of those social strategies of dealing with stress were taken away, people have, unfortunately, you know, the line has become more and more blurred, really. Yeah, so that's where we're at. I mean, it's funny because I noticed that um, because you know, working from home and having the children at home and being in quite a confined environment. I mean, we're relatively privileged in that we've got a two-bedroom house, you know, with a garden. So I know there were people who were much, much worse off. But nonetheless, there was no there was no workspace for me. So I, I was working in the bedroom. And the day never, it felt like the minute you finished work, you came downstairs and there was children. So there was none of that kind of maybe break that you might get in an office where you would go outside and have a walk or, or any of that. And so so for me, booze started to become almost like a sort of, it was the segue from them going to bed and then me having a bit of time. And it became, and I hadn't had that relationship for a long time where I started to look forward to the drink. You know, I started to, and it was not a lot, but it was kind of like, I'm going to have a drink at five o'clock. You know, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to, you know, that's, that's going to be the only way that I can create a boundary between work, kids and the other thing, you know, and then it quickly just became something that was happening every day. You know, it was kind of like every day I need to I need to have this. And I think what you say as well about in the UK and, and Western culture, it's also a reward. So the way that we treat ourselves, you know, if we feel that we've worked really hard, I suppose it's, it's a quick way to give yourself a treat and signal that it's now relaxing time. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's I think when I kind of coach with clients, I think one of the biggest work that we do is around boundaries. So it's really interesting that that comes up because, you know, I think we have created a culture where not only do caregivers feel like if they're good at their job, they give everything to everyone else and they don't make time for themselves. Um, but we also sort of celebrate being busy and, you know, and this kind of perfectionism culture. So 
it has become that that thing to change gear to change this the state to you know and and all of that can be managed in ways like you know I'm going to have a bath or you know I'm going to say no to my kids and I'm going to advocate for my needs and say you know what you know mummy's going to go out for a walk and no you're not coming because I need some time but you know all of that stuff is kind of seen as selfish or seen as you know um yeah breaking down the the family unit or whatever so it is that kind of quick gateway to to giving ourselves a bit of time you know not, i mean it's a drug right so it works on the reward systems in the brain it gives you a dopamine hit and so it's about finding other ways where you can do that and it, it really starts with just advocating for your needs and putting down boundaries and going actually and you know the the way that we work now I mean again working from home I know all of us were like what's the time seven o'clock I'm still at work like you know okay now I'm back to work it's eight in the evening and there was just no sort of um, structure to our lives and I think that really had an impact and again it's it's kind of marketed to us as a treat right it's like sparkly bottles and and you know gin time and florals and you know pink glitter and you know it's it 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 has been a, a a real ploy by, you know, kind of alcohol companies to market it to women, to people that are stressed. You know, we were a gap in the market in the in the late 80s, early 90s, and they certainly filled that gap now. You know, women are drinking to really problematic levels, especially wine, because wine is really strong and gin's strong, you know? So it's like the alcohol content, it's not the same as having a pint of lager or having a large glass of wine. So again, that's more problematic for women. And actually the way that we process alcohol is different. So there's lots of reasons really, but it it's kind of, I was thinking about this this morning because things are pretty tough for me at the moment. My parents are about to, my, my uncle died and his house, we've been living in his house for about sort of 30 years. And normally the house was supposed to go to my dad in the will. Uh, there wasn't a will because he died of COVID. So it means that my parents are probably going to have to move out, you know, and they're in their 70s. They live in London. Um, oh, I'm, I'm sorry in, to hear that. Yeah, well, it's, it's life. But, you know, I'm in France. I, I haven't seen them for over a year. You know, my, my kids haven't seen them since... I think it's October 2019. And when I wake up in the morning and I think of the things that are difficult in my life, I always just think my first thought is like, well, it'd be worse if I was hungover. And that's the that's the mind trick, right? That's the, the work that I've done. It's like whatever happens in my life, I see alcohol as something that would make it worse, not better. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting perspective because for me, I've sort of went on the on the occasions when I have upped it. So now that we've started to on Monday, the pubs opened. I went out on Monday evening. Um, it was a it was a lovely event that had been organised. It was in a garden, and there was a huge magnum of um, prosecco sort of on the table when we arrived, and me and my friend started to drink that and we were very excited because we hadn't actually been out in another person's company that wasn't family you know and it was a it was an excite it felt we said it felt like a rave it really did have that kind of <laughs> yeah. it had that atmosphere and there were there were lots of partners who were out with one another but because they'd spent so much time as partners there was a lot of flirting going on between the tables because obviously people were like I've just looked at my partner now for 
probably 18 months straight or however long it feels. It feels like 18 months. It's not that long. And now I'm finally seeing some other men who are not my partner or I'm seeing other women who are not my partner. And we're not talking about box sets and we're not talking about, you know, who's going to empty the dishwasher or, you know, none of that stuff. So there was this very, there was this very intense atmosphere. And I think one of the things I completely forgot about in that moment was how bad I was going to feel the next day. And the following day, I had a very intensive work schedule. I'd promised that I was going to write a presentation. And I woke up in the morning and felt diabolical, you know, really diabolical. You know, it was touch and go. It was kind of like, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get out of bed. And then spent the whole day. Luckily, I did manage, actually, the work helped me because I knew I had to do it. So I just got on with it. But then as the as the day progressed, I started to have lots of negative you know, self-talk. I was beating myself up. I was saying, you know, you're a loathsome person. Why did you do that? And so it was kind of, I think that that notion of sort of being able to project a little bit how you're going to feel the next day, that can be helpful because, but I find that hard when I'm in the moment. Like it's almost like that little hedonistic side of me is like, oh, fuck that. You know, you're going to have a good time. You know, just, just let it, you know, who cares? Deal with that tomorrow. Yeah, I think um, a lot of it comes from that kind of, yeah, the self-love thing, the no harm thing, you know, and I think you get to a point, I mean, I had sort of really bad depression at one point in my life, you know, certain things have happened that were very difficult. And when I started to understand that alcohol was a depressant and makes your anxiety worse, it was like, I've kind of suffered enough, you know, it's like, I, there was that moment of just like, you know what, like, I'm not going to put anything in my body that's going to harm me anymore because I, I want to be well. And actually, you know, when you start to have a bit of time without alcohol and you, you know, you don't have hangovers and you get up and you have a really great day. And also on the socialising thing, I mean, it's super difficult because we live in such an alcohol centric culture you know and that's why kind of sober communities were really key to me because I am a social person you know I was really into festivals and the rave scene in the 90s and you know I love music and going out and I am super social so I need those connections to kind of balance it out but when you actually have a really great conversation with someone you know and on a like deeper level or just have a laugh with people that's not sort of centered around alcohol that you don't forget what you're saying you know (laughs) after 20 minutes and you know you can have all those social connections but you definitely need that balance of having you know your your friends that are still kind of getting drunk and you can be there for a certain amount of time but then you know when to leave do you know what I mean but um also having those people where you can go out dancing with like you can you know you can still have really funny chats with because a lot of people that don't drink anymore are the people that were real party people so it's not like this kind of image of I mean sobriety needs a bit of a rebrand you know it's not we're not all sort of sad dreary you know sat in a church hall talking about our problems all the time it's like we were the people that had too much fun so we had to find another way because you know I I mean I drank like I was 18 but had the hangovers of someone that was in their 40s you know and that was just got to a point where it's like you know what it's it's just not it's not worth it. I think, well, it's just funny. I think that's the um, 
that's the kind of conversations that I have with women who are my age, who are in their sort of mid 40s, late 40s, is that it just it gets to a point where the balance of kind of it, it just if you write pros and cons, you're kind of like pro felt great for five minutes and had a couple of laughs. And then the cons is like spent a week beating myself up about what a crap person I am, you know, got anxiety, didn't sleep well, you know, and I suppose that's that's the thing. Do you think we've talked about this before? Because I know that you've sort of said in a way, even if you're cutting back on drinking or being more mindful, it's still something that becomes a bit of an obsessive. It can become quite an obsession because you're kind of like, well, tonight I'm going to go and meet that person, but I'm only going to have one glass of wine. And you were saying that's why you tried you tried the kind of middle way. And then you'd ended up just saying, I'm still spending too much time ruminating about what I'm going to be drinking or not drinking. So it's easier not to drink at all. Some people who are listening will just go, but I'm not ready for that. Maybe with their pros and cons, they feel like it's not. The cons aren't quite so strong. Is it possible to have a middle way? Or do you think it's it's just tricky? Because there must, I mean, there must be people out there who have got a healthy, a relatively healthy, however we define that, <laughs> relationship with booze. Yeah, I mean, I think from what I've learned from sort of being in sober spaces over the last eight years, is like if you're seeking out the conversation around alcohol, it's probably problematic for you you know the people that have what we would say a healthy relationship with alcohol probably never think about it you know it's like oh there's alcohol oh there's not alcohol like it doesn't really have any play in their mind and I think the people that are kind of asking questions or thinking about it or planning around it or really excited about it probably you know that there's a reason behind that, you know, because it's taking up, a, it's on a pedestal and it's important and it's, it's, it's a, feels like a relationship. And, and I think when you start to look at it through that lens of a relationship, it's like, well, how healthy is this relationship or how toxic is this relationship? I had lots of nasty boyfriends over the years. And when I started to look at it through that lens, it was like, oh, right. It's like, promise me promising me it's going to be different this time and then you know fucking me over and then me feeling like shit and feeling like it's all my fault and that's how it felt it was just like oh here we go again and then you know apologizing and looking pretty and you know a beautiful bottle and then I'd be dragged back into it and then it'd be like no no it'd be different this time just have one just a taste you know we don't have to like whatever or one night of passion you know and then I would just feel rotten and it was eating away at my self-esteem and I, I do think it comes to that point where, you know, and I had quite a lot of therapy, you know, so I do think there's part of a healing journey around it of like, you know what, I'm not going to be treated like that by anyone anymore, you know, whether it's toxic friendships that I had or, you know, how my children spoke to me or, you know, and a lot of it was created by my own unknowing about how to answer my own needs, you know, sort of treat myself well and I didn't think I was worth it and there's so many messages to women about how we're not good enough you know and we get it from such an early age of like you know your teeth are wonky or you're you're not thin enough or you're not pretty enough or you're not cool enough and so we we build up these things and then that translates into the relationships that we have and so when you start to look at it as a relationship and go you know what like are you taking away more than you're giving me and why am I allowing that then you know like what is that about is it really worth it and and I think that's the best way it's not about how much you drink it's not about units it's and that's what's so frustrating about the way that the sort of medical system looks at it because you know a lot of women in our community they go to the doctor and 
they'll say, oh, I think I'm drinking too much. And they're like, oh, well, count your units. And it's like, do you not think I've been doing that? <laughs> do you not think that that's, that's where I am and that's what's the, the hell of my brain? I think about it all the time. Like, should I have, oh, I've had one, like matching my drinks to everybody else. But that's what's so peculiar, I think, <laughs> often about women is that, or maybe it's, I mean, it sounds like you used to do it as well, is that even on Monday night when I, I did definitely drank too much, I was counting my glasses. So I was kind of like, I'm having one glass of Prosecco, two glasses, I've had three, or oh, I'm having four, I've had five. And then, of course, once I got to five, I was kind of like, oh, I can't quite remember. And then when I got into bed that night, you know, already I felt hungover and I was thinking, did I have six or did I have seven? Was it six or was it seven? Did I have more than seven? Did someone else fill it up? How many glasses of water did I have? And I was just spending this whole time and I was thinking in a way, it was just so annoying apart from anything. It was really, yeah, really annoying to be you, like, thinking yeah, about you it. Kind of, you miss out on conversations. You miss out on those real connections, you know, because it's like I'm, I'm watching, oh, right, she hasn't had another one so I'll wait a bit that's what I used to do you know especially being in France where you, there's a bit more of a civilized kind of culture around alcohol you know it's it's badly seen for women to be drunk or anyone and to drink drunk, and to, to drink honest. quickly because that's yeah. the other thing that I noticed with me is that I think a lot of the time because I'm thirsty yeah and, and I'm like that with thing. everything I'm like that with food you know I I, I sort of I, I don't eat quickly but you know I I have no consciousness of how much I'm eating. Like if if everything's on the plate, I eat everything on the plate, whatever's on, whatever's on there. You know, it's it's a clean plate club. And then the kind of the same with the kind of booze is that I'm drinking it as if it's water. And then people aren't matching me actually. I'm I'm and and that's why quite often if I go out drinking with friends, they're okay and I'm not. And it's usually because I've drunk more than them because I drink more quickly. So if we're sharing a bottle of wine, I'll be sort of I'll be having to replenish more more frequently basically because I've already, you know, already finished. And then there's just always that underlying joke about kind of like oh here she goes, she's filling up again, you know. I think even one of the friends at the table said something like oh she's really on it tonight, you know, she's going off, you know, she's and and even that I was just thinking, you know, God, do, do I really want to be that person anymore? You know, do I really, in my late 40s, want to be the person that's going off, saying something that's inappropriate? Or, I mean, I've never got to the point where I've sort of fallen over or anything. It's more just probably the things that I say in those moments. Yeah, and I think it's that that thing for me was like certainly something that I, you know, discovered doing sort of CBT therapy was like, that permission just to become an adult it was like I just didn't realize that I could stop like I didn't realize that I was allowed to grow up and change and actually you know he he sort of explained was us like you know there's cycles of life and the stuff that you were doing when you were 18 you know yeah there was some risky behavior and there was some real dangerous behavior at that time but you know it's kind of in the context of exploration it's in the context of of what you do for pushing boundaries at that age in in your life but you know what's happened is that sort of behavior has crept into your 30s and then your 40s and that's not growth and you know your like your life is only going one way and you know you you progress and you grow and and you change and that's what it's about like and and it's okay to say i'm really tired now because You've got two kids, you've got a full-time job, you've got responsibilities. Your body needs a rest in a way that it didn't when it was 18. And I was like, oh, like, no way. Okay, cool. It was just like, right, I don't have to, like, keep perpetuating this sort of, this youth aspect of me. I can just, you know, grow old gracefully. Do you know what I mean? Just just change a bit. And it doesn't mean that I'm not the same person, but it just means it's it's kind of age-appropriate 
behavior and again if you don't care and it doesn't have any impact and you're just like I love being a hedonist in my 50s like I don't give a shit then that's fine but for me I felt shame about it I didn't want to be that mum I did you know I can remember being 18 and looking at the 40 year olds and going man that's a bit sad <laughs> I don't want to be doing that and then there I was like like hanging out with the you know the people at the bar then probably going I know but that's the other thing it does which is um I mean that's the funny thing about it is that you know you talked about the way that women are often told that that physically they're not attractive enough and and certainly when you age that amplifies you know that you have those messages that you're like oh my god you know I just don't I'm not not as attractive as I used to be and one of the things that booze or any sort of of those kind of drugs does is it makes you forget that those feelings and actually you can feel quite even if you're not actually obviously you're probably not looking any more attractive but you feel more attractive you know one of the things I used to always do is I used to sort of go into the women's toilets and and just go god you know you're just gorgeous aren't you you know I love you and I'd only ever do that when I was drunk but it was like for that little period of time I felt as if I was confident in the way that I looked which is really sad actually that you have to go to those extreme levels to to tap into that you know yeah but it's really interesting learning isn't it because it's just like okay there's something there you know and and again it's like when we're looking at these things there's no shame no blame I mean we get into problems with alcohol for many reasons or and and it is a, a lot about how we feel about ourselves and that social anxiety or not feeling like we're good enough and that it gave us confidence and and at some point it worked but it just doesn't mean that it keeps working in the same way and you know the difficulty with a thing like alcohol is that you do develop tolerance so you know the more you drink the more you need to drink to get the same effect and then you know the amount grows and you're still not getting the effect and then you're you know gone from a glass of wine to three glasses of wine to you know a bottle and then you're kind of getting into a problem area right so that's the thing that's happening is that yeah it worked and it worked in a way but because it's never going to continue to work on that level you have to keep building it up and and so that's why it can be problematic and so then it's just like right I'm an adult now like how else can I feel good about myself how else can I heal that part of me that doesn't feel confident like let's look at that in whatever way if it's doing Tara Brack and you know the reign of self-compassion or if it's going doing some therapy or learning a new skill. I I think we've mentioned her before, Tara Brach, and I do feel like I want to actually, I just want to have Tara Brach sitting with me all day, sort of following me around. (laughs) Because I think even just the sound, um, and I'll put a link actually on the podcast, but she, um, she does a lot of, she has her own podcast, she does her own sort of meditations, but she also just, I've watched quite a lot of her YouTube talks. So she just, you know, she'll talk about a particular subject. And whenever I'm feeling slightly unhinged, I, I turn to her and I know, you know, Kate Bailey, who you obviously work with on, on Love Soap, she, she was saying that too, that there's just something very maternal about her and it's just the tone actually of her voice where I sort of think oh okay everything's all right because Tara's here now um and so I sort of feel like I mean that's what I was going to wind up with actually is alternatives we always come back to the hot bath as being an alternative going for a run listening to a meditation um other things that we can do what about if we go actually going out because we are in the UK, going out in pub gardens, going into other people's gardens. What can we do to sort of boost our self-confidence when there's a lot of drinking going on around us if we're making the decision not to do it? Yeah, I think there's two main things. Is like really getting skillful about 
who you're spending time with, you know, because quite often we say yes when we mean no. And it's like you don't always have to go. So it's like if there's people that you super, super love in that space that you feel confident with, that you go for, you know, walks with in the morning, you know that you're going to be able to trust them with you not drinking and kind of having that allyship within that space. So like having one person, you can be like, this is going to be a bit tricky for me. Can you just hold my hand and give me a thumbs up? Can be really really helpful but quite often we try and squeeze ourselves into social situations where we actually just don't want to be and that's when the drinking comes in because you're nervous and you're anxious um so yeah you don't have to go to everything so make good choices because also socializing is really really exhausting you know kind of on the senses it's really tiring so maybe have a nap beforehand you know make sure the place has got some nice drinks make sure you've got someone that's an ally or you've got like a sober pal in your phone that you can just text in the loo kind of through it going I'm doing it and they can kind of give you some support and then again the next day make sure you're kind of you've got a day to just chill because I've certainly for me I used to really like uh, in inverted commas the day after drinking you know the Sunday night drinking that was my favorite because it would be that kind of like oh I've got through it now and now I can just relax and have wine at home um so just be careful that you might actually be more triggered the next day and choose different ways to socialize go for nice walks um have something planned so you're not just stuck in one place because you know if we go for a if we meet people in the day we don't sit in a coffee shop for like five hours like we do in the pub you know you go for a coffee and then you go for a look around the shops or you do something you know and I think we we stay uh in sort of in the pub for a really really long time so it's kind of like knowing your social window it's like right yeah two hours is good for me and then I get a bit tired and then I suppose the other thing is food as well isn't it is food because we sometimes forget in the UK I know in France the, the role of food is much more pronounced when you go out you know you would whereas here even though pubs do serve food sometimes we just we forget that you can actually just eat you know you could you can you can have some really nice food and and actually that could be another thing that's it's it's good a good way to bond it's a pleasure it's something nice and hopefully it's not making you feel quite so bad as as drinking you know yeah i mean to stand in a in a space and just drink for hours on end is like well you're going to get drunk right you know so it's 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 only going to do one thing so yeah it's kind of redefining what socializing looks like for you you know and and having a way out maybe it's driving or maybe you've got something planned the next day so you've got that real anchor to be like yeah if I drink tonight you know that means that I'm not going to enjoy that massage I booked at nine in the morning you know having those little treats booked in the next day or like making sure your bed has got clean sheets and smells beautiful and you've got some new pjs so there's that kind of hook because you want to work with that dopamine that treat thing so it's about building up in other treats so it's like okay I could drink tonight and that would be xyz and would end up with me feeling pretty shit the next day or I could not drink go into that gorgeous crisp you know sheets and lovely bed that I've made myself maybe have a dessert when I get home and then in the morning you know wake up and 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 feel pretty great so yeah it's kind of like building that plan and walking yourself through it because your brain doesn't actually realize if you've actually done something or whether you're just thinking about it so if you can walk yourself through the situation like I'm going to wear this dress I'm going to talk to that person I'm going to have that drink and then I'm going to go to the loo and then by that point I know that I'll be done and then I'll I'll, I'll leave 
all those things can really, really help, especially with the anxiety side, because you you can plot it out. Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost if you were doing an event, you would think that, wouldn't you? You'd think like, you know, I'm going to talk for a little bit and then I'm going to go and, you know, I'll have something to eat. And you, you just don't think it through ahead enough in order to kind of preempt some of the things that come up you know yeah and so then you're in the moment you just go oh just have a spritzer <laughs> you know, yeah because exactly and then if somebody yeah. says oh you're not drinking you're not fun it's like what am I going to say if someone says that yeah it's an interesting one well I wanted to say thanks Mandy because you're you're always so helpful and insightful and I do think that um I mean I think the UK's always had a bit of a a, a funny relationship with booze because I think we're we have that kind of personality type where well, maybe it's a stereotype, but we find it kind of difficult to to bond and socialise with other people sober, essentially. We almost need the the booze as a lubricant just to, to loosen up and to be ourselves and to be authentic and all of that stuff. So I'm hoping that people that are listening who are sort of, come, when we're coming out of lockdown, feel a bit inspired to try. If it's not working for them, like you said, if it works, it's fine. But if it feels like it's not really working and it's contributing a lot of bad stuff, then just to re reassess a bit where they are with, with drink and think about some of the alternatives. So thanks so much. And um, yeah, I, I know that People can obviously listen to your lovely podcast and read your book as well. Have you got anything else coming up on the horizon? Um, well, we have a like a program that is six week sort of it's called Becoming Sober. So that's got a discount on it actually at the moment, 25% off. So the code is Love Sober, but you can find that on our website. And that's like a seat sort of yeah, that exploration into sort of sober curiosity and like, do I want this and what does being sober look like for me and then we're running our group program so that's a three-month program but that's in session at the moment um so that's love sober life school so that's kind of the what next question because i think you know there's a lot of support for people when they get sober it's like read this book do that you know rinse and repeat etc but then it's like you kind of plateau at some point and then you need that kind of like right now what does my life look like and what do I really want um so that's a a brilliant program but um yeah we're you know everything's on the site so lovesober.com oh that's great I'll share that as well on the podcast on um on iTunes and Spotify and uh yeah thanks a lot love and I'll speak again soon all right take care that was a great chat so I hope that's given you some food for thought I think I've always been sort of on the fence a bit so I've had periods of time where I've not drunk at all and then periods of time where I've drunk a little bit and then other periods where I felt like actually I'm drinking too much and increasingly as I get older I find it a real struggle I think uh, when I speak to friends who are a similar age you know sort of late 40s it starts to get to the point where actually you think is it worth it is the actual fallout the hangover that you get the next day even the next week is it worth it and um, this is often how I feel is that actually I have a kind of five five to ten minute high where I feel a bit like Keith Richards and feel like I can do anything and then the next minute the following morning I feel absolutely dire and sometimes my parenting sucks because I'm impatient and tired and a bit cross and generally I can feel like I'm sort of going into a bit of a dark hole uh, in terms of negative self-talk so if that's you it's definitely worth having a little think about your relationship with booze and and what it's bringing to the table and dispatch with it if it's not helping so i hope that was useful and i'll see you again very soon have a good week ta-da